Hello! Boom! And welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris here, as always, with my co-host uh, and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to that on the reg, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed uh, on Apple Spotify. And, uh, and you can subscribe there. If you subscribe, you're not going to miss an episode. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter, at ZachTNT for Zach, at A to Z Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports.com for everything that Zach and I write. Uh, you can find the, the backlogged episodes of this podcast, uh, a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, Titans coverage, Predators coverage, if you're a, what, Dallas Cowboys fan? Uh, Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah, they're covering Chiefs now. They mm-hmm. got it all. A to Z sports.com. Go over there. Check it out. All right. All right. Let's get right to it. That was a heck of a weekend for the Tennessee Volunteers. For First and foremost, perhaps the biggest win of the weekend, Lady Vol soccer was the SEC championship game. Got a little overshadowed by the football game because it happened uh, maybe the day before uh, or no day day after. But nonetheless, hey, congratulations to them. Want to mention that up front because that's killer. And SEC, I mean, it's an SEC championship. What are you going to do? Tennessee football beat Kentucky. That's nice. Soccer won an SEC championship. So congratulations to them. And then Tennessee football goes to Kentucky, to Lexington, and does what Tennessee football does. They beat the Wildcats up there in the cold. Zach, what's up, man? I thought I was sitting here talking to Eli Manning for a second. Uh <laughs> Because <laughs> apparently you're the next best thing to uh, to Elon Manning. That was an interesting take. I see you you sent me screenshots of a, a message board of someone on a message board talking about me and Crompton, our our game day show uh, that we put on halftime post game during Tennessee football games. Go watch it on A to Z Sports, all the social medias, Facebook, YouTube, blah blah blah. Uh, and someone said it was like the Peyton and Eli show, which. Thank you. That show is awesome. I love it uh, myself. If I watch Monday Night Football, I, that's the only feed I watch. Um, but also, I was like, definitely, I'm the Eli in that scenario. <laughs> and of course, that just means that I like, you know, Crompton does all of the heavy lifting. And then every five minutes or so, I just pop in and I just go, yep. Yep. Perfect. Great. And then, you know, that's all. That's mostly what Eli does. But I'll take it. I'll take it. I said one of the nicest compliments I've probably ever received. Uh and, and it's nice to just have recognition. Sometimes it feels like you're screaming into the void, and I scream quite literally on this show uh, pretty often. And and so it was nice. Thank you to whoever whoever that was. It was like an anonymous account, but thank yeah. you to that person if they're listening. Yeah. Uh, sir, I, I like to look at message boards every now and then because they can be very entertaining, especially this time of year when people are getting fired and, and saw that thread. And there was actually several people there that were very complimentary of the show, so... You guys are doing something right, and they they're really enjoying the insight. And what a big weekend uh, to do that show this weekend, this game, the Kentucky game. Uh, it's it's been a while since I've been that nervous watching a Tennessee game because I, I rationalized with myself a bit in the middle of the game, like okay, I could see this going bad for Tennessee just because. The way the game's going, Tennessee wasn't stopping Kentucky. And I found myself having that conversation with with myself of, hey, they're still going to be bowl eligible. They're going to beat South Alabama. They're going to beat Vanderbilt. It's going to be okay. But at the same time, that's a huge game. Doing something that, that a new coach at Tennessee hasn't done since Lane Kiffin, the chance to win seven games in your first season is huge, especially with the situation that Josh Heupel inherited just the disaster that Jeremy Pruitt left behind, the the terrible offense he left behind that was barely averaging 20 points a game to, to do what Heupel has done, averaging 38 points a game. It was just such a massive win. And it kind of kind of felt different because you're so used to, to being let down that you are able to rationalize with yourself and say, yeah, you know what, it, it, it happens, it'll get better. Not having to do that is very refreshing. 
It was so nice. I, I was sweating it so hard because obviously doing a post-game show like I do uh, with Crompton, it's not fun to get on there and have to go, well, that was a crushing defeat. <laughs> you know? And Kentucky's on that final drive. Boy, I was sweating mm. bullets. That was... and But, I mean, it's the fun of football. I, I would say of that game, that was... I believe like the quintessential Josh Heupel that we saw. And it see, I mean, it just lends itself that system where he is just pedal to the metal. It doesn't even matter to me that my defense is getting worn absolutely ragged. We're still going to play the football that we play no, no matter what. And I have my qualms with this and I'll bring, I'll bring this up, you know, in the show. It's not the point of what I'm saying at this moment. But, you know, just that's clearly the style that he wants to play, whether anybody likes it or not. And you are just living on a razor's edge and it is stressful. I mean, they are the cardiac kids. That is, uh, I mean, just the the up and down. I, I guess I've, I've always, with Pruitt, like when all that was going on in his offense, just blue chunks. I mean, it just sucked. I, I fantasized about what if we had an offense, <laughs> you know, and then you get it. And not only do you get it, you get the most extreme version possible that is super fast, faster than almost any other offense in America. And then they they play it where the, essentially there's no regard even for the defense. You're just kind of making a deal with the devil like we're we're going to score to <laughs> the detriment of another unit of our football team, even no matter what. Uh, I, I guess I didn't. I didn't realize how much of a roller coaster that is because it that game was just an emotional ride. Uh, it, it's nice when it really, really works, like South Carolina, Missouri. Oh, you're smashing them! What a great time! We're all having an excellent time. I'm having a relaxing Saturday. But when the other team can keep pace, <laughs> that was a time. And and it's gonna be. Think about that translated over to if Hypel gets a good set of players. And you're competing for SEC championship games, and that's how those games go. <laughs> like, think about that with super heightened stakes. This was just the Kentucky game this year. It's it was brutal emotionally, but hey, we're happy to get the win. Yeah, it it was really hard for me to kind of know what to take away from this game, and and I found myself kind of feeding into uh, one of the coaching cliches, one that Hypel really likes to repeat, is that every game is its own story. And something he said today, Monday, earlier during his press conference is you can play a game 10 times and it's going to turn out different every single time. I mean, Tennessee and Kentucky play again. Maybe the final score is more of what we were expecting and not a shootout. So, you know, at first I was really concerned about the defense. I said, you know, you're giving up 42 points to Kentucky, a, a team that we were talking about how not good their offense was. We were talking about if, if Tennessee can score 30 points, they're going to win because Kentucky can't score 30 points. So then I'm thinking, do I go into freakout mode over the defense? Are we, are we firing Tim Banks, who we were just praising weeks ago? Or or do you kind of look back and say, hey, you know, this, this team held Ole Miss in check. Like maybe that's just the way this game went. Kentucky saw a weakness that they could exploit. Tennessee was able to exploit Kentucky's defense. Um, sometimes that's just how a football game plays out. I mean, is, is that should that be the main takeaway, or should we be concerned what we saw defensively here? That is the entire question of this game when I look at it. I mean, yeah, the win's a win. That's that's amazing. I'm I'm not gonna get all get all up in my feelings trying to complain about stuff walking away from this. But you do have to look and go, what was the deal? I mean, the, the defense might as well might well not even been out there, you know, at certain points of that game. I, I swear to God, I think Kentucky had like 53rd and sevens. Every time I looked up, it oh. was third and seven, and they got every single one of them just about. And it was, I mean, it hurt my chest to breathe after a while. <laughs> I was so frustrated and anxious. It was, it was, it was tough to watch. I mean, it literally, it caused like PTSD. Like the, the Titans last night had an incredible game against the Rams. They're my boys for anybody that's maybe a first-time listener. And it came down to a late third-down conversion where it was like the Rams might be able to get back in this football game. And they got the third-down conversion. And I was like, no, 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 no. I can't do this. I can't do this again. Not anymore. Like the Titans defense have been playing so well in that game. Yeah, that's how they won. 
and I they converted that third down, and I was just like, no flashbacks, flashbacks of Vietnam. I can't do it. <laughs> this, it, I mean, it. Th- there were so many converted third downs against Kentucky, man. It was just. I mean, it was, it was, you could basically just go like, well, it's third and seven. Just yep. give him the first down. Just give, just give it to him. You know, just let him move the ball. Uh, and, and that's, it's tough. I, I do go, I, I rewatched the game. There were a ton of instances of just pure missed tackles. Mm-hmm. Like where I kind of went, the scheme here is not terrible. You just didn't. You just didn't make the play where you had you had them in these tackles for loss. This team has made a habit of tackles for loss. A week ago, you were leading the nation in tackles for loss, and you had them in a bunch of different instances. And you saw, was it Theo Jackson that just laid in that game? It was, I think it was Kentucky's final drive. Had this dude dead to rights, not blocked, coming straight at the guy, catching a screen pass, and just whiffed. Just bye. You know, just didn't barely might, you know, could have just not touched the guy and it would have done the same thing and like that can't happen and that is that is player execution but also fundamentals are coaching I mean that's you you can lay the blame kind of in two places there the player has to execute but fundamentals are coaching and that that lays on Tim Banks at the end of the day so I go yes he is a victim of Josh Heupel's system where they were on the field for an Mm -hmm. unbelievable amount of time 99 plays 99 plays also during those 99 plays even before they were worn ragged they looked really bad so you know i I, I hit them on both sides there really the most impressive thing is that they looked so bad early and the longer they were on the field it felt like the more they actually made plays i mean the fourth quarter they Mm -hmm. only gave up seven points obviously they gave up that fourth and 24 which was Really just a great play call by Kentucky. It was kind of like a little wheel route, and they found the hole in the coverage, and Tennessee was basically in prevent defense. Everybody was back at the sticks, and it just they the guys snuck free. It was just a good call, and and they came up with the stop after that. At that point, Kentucky had all the momentum. You're looking at Kentucky scoring with less than a minute to go or less than probably 30 seconds or so at that point, I, I would imagine, if they would have scored. And Tennessee came up with four straight stops. Kentucky had four chances after picking that up. So as beat down as they were, no depth, out on the field, they made the plays when they had to. So that tells you that the efforts there, they're, just like you said, there's some fundamental stuff there that has to be cleaned up because that's by far the worst tackling I've seen from them this season. And yeah, that's not going to cut it against Georgia next week. No. It was absolutely brutal, even though, ironically, the defense really won you the game. Alante Taylor had a pick mm-hmm. six. He scored a touchdown on defense. He win by three. And then, of course, there was a couple of dropped interceptions, too, that oh, really man. could have flipped the game. I think Warren Burrell had a drop. Theo oh. Jackson, I believe, had a drop. I mean, you, you've you got to get those takeaways in a game like that, especially an SEC game, road game. And the final score could have looked a lot different. You, you get those takeaways. There was the fumble after Jalen Hyatt's uh, big catch down the sideline, which, by the way, was a perfect example of this offense working the way it's supposed to work. Because if you go back and watch that play, Kentucky had no clue. I mean, there was a linebacker, I think, just jumping up and down, waving his arms around as the ball was being snapped. They were totally clueless. And that's what Josh Heupel wants to do with this offense. And I saw a comment earlier today that kind of – you know, Peyton Manning kind of was the not really the godfather of this type of offense because it was a different type of offense. They there was a more complex, but this was what Peyton did. He hurried up, got to the line, read the defense, called the play based on what he was seeing, changing the play. That's kind of the same thing Tennessee's doing, just at a more simple level. So it's kind of interesting to to think about that connection there between Peyton and this offense, which should that make Tennessee fans happy happy to hear. Yeah, that is actually interesting, and I, I mean, it was, it was almost funny to watch just how there was just no resistance from Kentucky almost at all from a defense that had been like pretty decent, yeah, better than Tennessee's defense for mm-hmm. sure, markedly. Um, and and they were just cutting through them like butter. It was just crazy. You had an open receiver on every single play, and when Hinnon was hitting them, you were scoring touchdowns. I mean, it was. 
the, the stat lines in this game is one of the wildest things I've ever seen statistically in a football game where you just 13 minutes and 52 seconds of possession on, let's see, total total plays here, 20, 20 passes and 27 rushes, 47 plays. 47 plays, not even 14 minutes of possession. You scored 45 points. Like, yeah, one of those is a defensive touchdown, but still, like, that's crazy. And then to turn around and say that Kentucky had 99 plays and 46 minutes of possession and they didn't win? Like, what an insane football game. It's it's one of the weirdest, I, I would say, one of the most exciting and one of the weirdest football games I think I've ever witnessed. Like, that, it's otherworldly when you're dealing with this system that Hypo wants to run. It's just crazy like the sort of the the product that actually pops out of it on the other end as he makes the sausage like it just it's it's crazy yeah the the Kentucky game and the Ole Miss game this year have been two of the most entertaining Tennessee games I've seen in years definitely more entertaining than anything we saw in three years of of Jeremy Pruitt unless you count the meltdown against Georgia State and that's a different kind of entertainment (laughs) just uh, I don't want to think about that. Uh, we're past it. We're beyond it now. Uh, but there, there, there's a lot of takeaways here. Where, where exactly do you, to, to me, the question is like, where do you end the criticism? Because you won a top 20 game on the road in the SEC. That's amazing. So I don't feel the need to be like, but we got to fix things. But you watch that game and you go, we got to fix some things here. The debate to me that I... I got into this with Crompton, so we don't have to cover it too too much here. And if you want to go see that, youtube.com, A to Z Sports. Um, and you can go see our, our post-game show there. But uh, the the philosophy of Heupel to not stretch the game out at all. Where he, specifically, I look at that situation at the end of the third quarter. Where he could have, his defense is just getting destroyed. Just absolutely and maybe he had just resigned himself to the fact that it doesn't even matter if I give my defense a rest, they're just going to get cut, cut up, you know, maybe I'm literally, maybe that was his rationalization there. Um, but where you just went, I mean, it was coming down, what, 20 seconds left in the quarter and you can just take, take a second. And you were approaching, I believe third down, right? If I'm thinking of the situation correctly, mm-hmm. you were coming up to third down. Yeah. Like 20 seconds left in the quarter, just let the quarter run out collect yourself you're killing them on offense it doesn't matter if you're running your tempo or not because you were killing them after timeouts you were killing them no matter what you did uh you know that didn't the tempo didn't matter that much in that game in that particular scenario and he just goes no we're going for it right now and then they turn the ball over on downs Kentucky turns right around now ultimately actually Kentucky didn't convert coming back incredibly um and and ironically they didn't convert on the, the subsequent drive but that to me, I said it earlier, you're living on a razor's edge to me. And there's a conversation to be had there where if you're playing better teams, that can snowball on you so quickly. If they turn, you give them decent field position, that would have given Kentucky the ball like the 40, I think, something. Um, and, you know, you just turn around against, yeah, Georgia, Florida, whoever, well, Florida early in the season. Somehow they were great back then. Now they suck out loud, but um, you know, whoever it might be a better team. I just feel like that could get out of hand. So, so quickly, so quickly. Yeah. It's definitely a razor thin area you're, you're getting into there. I, I understand Heupel's approach and, and I like it. Um, he's aggressive. We saw it yeah. at the end of the first half when in 16 seconds he managed to pick up what 30 some yards and get a field goal without even using a timeout. It, that was it's crazy, beautiful. <laughs> and, and props to Hendon yeah. Hooker because he's the quarterback out there executing it. If you don't have a quarterback that can execute that offense, it doesn't matter what you call. And Hendon Hooker has done a tremendous job of, of running this offense. But I think Josh Heupel's approach is every play, you know, that he's running his up-tempo offense is a chance to attack the defense and to make a big play. And, you know, like we saw at the first play of the game, I mean, they can score in one play at any given time, at any point in the game. I mean, they did it twice uh, on Saturday night. They 
They almost did it two other times when Jalen Hyatt stepped out of bounds, supposedly. Which yeah. I, I think he did, he but did, it was close. Did. We didn't. We didn't even get, really get a good replay of it. Yeah. And then Hooker barely missed Cedric Tillman, where I think he had a little uh, jersey grab by the Kentucky defender. But you know that is what it is. Uh, Tennessee got away with some stuff too. But the point being, you know, they can score at any at any given moment, and I don't think Hypo wants to give up those opportunities because points are so precious. They are so hard to come by in the SEC game. But I get your side of it too. I mean, your your defense is on the field a lot every minute or two you can get of rest is very important in a game like this it does feel like maybe he will maybe he'll evolve as he's in the sec more and understand that say you know there's time and place to do this He, he was asked about it today and you can't say don't score so fast I mean, you've no, got to score and you can score. Yeah. Uh, so you take, take it when it comes. Yeah. You know, when, when is the time to bleed the clock? It's a, I mean, that's why coaching's so hard. You got to make those decisions and you're in the moment. And looking back at it, like this is real easy to do. But in the moment, you know, it, it's just something you got to have a feel for. And it'll be interesting to see if he kind of changes his approach any. I mean, the, the only adjustment that I've seen from him this season that he's essentially willing to make is if he is ahead by a bunch. He will go generally conservative, almost exclusively run the ball, you know, bleed the clock as much as that offense can. But even in those situations, he's still running tempo a lot of the time. Uh, it's it's like nothing I've, I've ever seen. I You know, the craziest part of it is, to me personally, like, if if anybody listening has listened to this show at length, you know that I'm like, I'm huge on aggressive football. Give me, go for it on fourth down. Go for the kill shot. Do not, oh, you're up by 30. Oh, we got to do gamesmanship. No, we don't. Come and stop me. You know, that like, I don't care. Aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. And even I am like, oh, can we take a second here? Maybe. And just like, take a look around, you know? And, but he just, I, I, it freaks me out and I respect it. I respect the hell out of it because I just go, this dude is committed to the system that he has put in place. And hey, it worked. You won the football game. I mean, that's the trump card. You won the football game. And (laughs) one big question I've seen a lot is whether or not this system can work long term. And I really think it can based on some comments I've, I've heard from Nick Saban and Mark Stoops because one, well, first off, Hypo goes into every game with a game plan, how he plans to attack the defense. And oftentimes that game plan has to be changed up in the middle of a game because the defense is doing something different than what you expected. He said that they had to adjust during the Kentucky game. So they're, they're always coming up with ways to attack the defense. Mark, uh, Mark Stoops and Nick Saban both said these past couple of weeks that they cannot replicate what Tennessee does in their practice with their scout team. They cannot run at that speed because your scout team is trying to look at a play and then call it, run it. You can't simulate it because you don't run this offense. You're having to look at what you're running. It's not the same. And they both made those specific comments that they can't simulate what Tennessee does. I don't see that changing anytime soon because every game plan is unique. So it's not like Heupel's doing the exact same thing every game. I mean, we've already seen it this year where – some games they're running the ball more. Some games they're throwing the ball more. I mean, we saw them. We knew Kentucky had trouble with these kind of screen passes out on the edge. So we saw Tennessee run a bunch of those. That's how they scored on the first play of the game. That was unique to this game. So they're going to approach every game a different way. I mean, that's why I think this might actually be sustainable. I hadn't heard those comments. That's pretty fascinating. Uh, and I realistically, that's that's one of the biggest places where the genius lies in this system. I, you know, that that is that's kind of an element I hadn't totally thought of. I, I hadn't heard a coach say, but yeah, I mean, it, how how would you replicate that, <laughs> that realistically speaking? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you can't in a technical sense, you can't fully practice for what you're about to see. I mean, it, it's kind of why I I also think. Sometimes you'll see in a snoozer game, you'll see an SEC team struggle against like a triple option team mm-hmm. because it just is like it's such a specific only like four teams in all of college football run an offense like that. And so they come in and they catch you off guard. And 
and so it's probably a, a similar concept. Just you're just doing it every single week, and it's way more flashy and high flying. Uh, but it, you know, the proof's in the pudding. There, forty five points in an insanely short amount of time. Like, I what am I what am I supposed to say? <laughs> like, it scares me. I think you're living on a razor's edge. But if you if you win, you win. What am I supposed to say? If you win, you win. I am. I will say I am. So interested to see how this works against Georgia. And we're we're going to cover that at the end of the show. But Georgia has not faced an offense like that. I almost, what, probably Florida, Missouri is like the closest approximation of it at all. But Missouri is Missouri's mad done. good. Yeah. And, Fl- and Florida, Georgia just broke Florida. I mean, they, mm-hmm. that was really the turning point. They smashed their head in. So. I, I don't maybe the same thing will just happen to Tennessee. They just they out talent you. <laughs> but like I said, that, that'll be the end of the show. We'll do a full breakdown in our score prediction. But um, I this was I said this to Crom too. This was like the we we had kind of been seeing like the morphine drip version of Josh Heupel. This was like the hair went straight into the vein version. <laughs> it was just like here it is. Get ready. Uh, and, and it's and what they, they it's what they had to do to win the game. It was it was it worked. It, that's that is all I can say. I mean, I I think you <laughs> you may have gotten a skosh lucky that your defense stepped up there just the way that they were getting sliced and diced in that game. Uh, the fact that they that your defense held on on you know at the end there, I you make your own luck. I I don't want to give them. Oh, you just got like like Kentucky fans are trying to be like, oh, the face mask and the blah 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 blah. blah. No, come on. We like we're Tennessee fans. We like to complain about the refs more than probably anybody. But like, come on now. Like that, see, that, you in the game. That's that's the one reason Tennessee fans should be glad that Kentucky picked up that fourth and twenty four because that kind of erased the face mask penalty. Oh, they would have hung their hat and, on, and that was a bad call. I don't think they should have penalized Stoops, although he was giving the refs the business the whole game, so he's kind of asking for it. Uh, but he was he was in the right, and if that had been Tennessee and Josh Heupel would have been losing his mind, you know, you know, Tennessee fans would have felt the same way that they had been wrong. But they picked up the first down, no harm, no foul at that point. Kind of gets back to to square one, and and it, it didn't really matter. I mean, it definitely felt like a moment. Even it was that game was just really, really competitive, and it was just pretty. I mean, it's a bitter matchup. Mm-hmm. Kentucky hates Tennessee. Tennessee hates Kentucky. It definitely felt like, per se, they missed that fourth and twenty-four. You might have had a throwing stuff on the field situation on your hands. I, I said that to my wife. We were watching the game. Mm. I was like, I wonder if they're going to throw stuff on the field right here. Like this is bad. This yeah. is, it was so obvious, and then they compounded the personal foul on stoops where I was like, yikes, this yeah, is bad. That- this is really bad. And, and I was like, cause, cause I just know like at Tennessee, that's probably what would have happened. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> it's like, and Kentucky's not above that. Kentucky's not some classy institution that, you know, we're, we're what two and a half hours from there. We all live in the same place right here. What? Like, what did you think about uh Will, the the looks on Will Levis's face as the game was oh, ended? I've never seen <laughs> like he was broken. He was you, done. There there's those moments when you're watching sports and you see it and you go, "That's about to be a meme on Twitter." Yep, yep. <laughs> you just know it. You see, you know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that's what that was. You could just tell. I mean, he was he was on he was either on the verge of tears or he was actually crying. And that's not me trying to be like, oh, he's a little crybaby. No, like I understand. It's a brutal game that you gave that kid. Freaking played his butt off, mm-hmm. and all credit to him. It was actually really funny. <laughs> I listened uh, after the game. I just saw some people, t- and I don't know why I had. I've never thought to do this, but I'm glad that I did. I just saw some people on Twitter talking about Kentucky Sports Radio, Matt Jones. Oh. And it was some Tennessee fans that were tweeting about what was going on on Kentucky Sports Radio. And so I was like, oh, this sounds crazy. I'll tune in. And it was just this flood of Kentucky fans tuning or uh, just letting out their grievances and they're, you know, just coping. And there were Kentucky fans that were like, well, we got to get a new quarterback. The Levis ain't getting it done. We got it. And I'm like, what? He was like the that's like the best game of his career. The kid freaking killed us all day long. 
Like he was just doing whatever he wanted to out there. That is not the problem. No, the problem <laughs> you is have. you're Kentucky. Just stop being Kentucky. Yeah, that's the problem. Exactly. That uh, but, uh the Matt Jones guy is a bizarre. <laughs> I will say of Matt Jones, he has been it, during my media career when I was doing it full time. Dude was kind to me on a personal level. Had him for multiple interviews. Um, on, on different things, got talked to him a couple of times in person. Just he's a nice guy. He is. He genuinely is a nice guy. I know Tennessee fans probably don't want to hear that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but he, man, he's inflammatory to the point where I see some of the stuff that he tweets and I go, Oh, come on. Well, it works. It works though. He has a huge following in Kentucky yeah. and that's ultimately what he cares about. I don't think he cares about what any Tennessee fan is, is going to think. I, I love, I mean, I, I wish that there was really a media outlet like that for Tennessee. One that like, I, I would say Fox Sports tries yeah. where they really try to be like the fan centric, but they don't have a personality like Matt Jones over there. They just don't have it where he's like yeah. the biggest media member that they have essentially. I mean, he's easily the most famous. He's been on like tons of national shows. He had his own TV show at one point. If Wasn't I'm he running right for way. like political office yeah, at one point? He almost ran for Congress. Yeah. I remember on an, an interview that we did, I asked him about it because I was like, yeah, I saw you were like running for Congress or something. Um, and so like, I, I sort of wish that Tennessee had an entity like that. That was like someone who would just be the voice, truly like the voice of the fans on a very large scale. Uh, cause it, I mean, he really is just somebody that goes out there and just gets everybody else riled up and it it's works. fun. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're on that side of that and mm-hmm. he's your guy, you're like, yeah, let's go, you know? So, Hey, whatever. But he, yeah, some of the stuff that he, he tweets, some of the stuff that he said during that show, I was just like, Oh my gosh, you guys can't really think this. Do you really think this? Like, please, who, what are we talking about here? <laughs> you know, but he was, I, I will say he had genuine I, I don't know what you would call it, self-awareness of what Kentucky football is, where some people called in and they were kind of like, oh, we were going to a New Year's Six bowl game and all this stuff, which if they, if they you know, would have kind of completed the season, beaten Tennessee, it's possible, then it would have been a huge accomplishment for them. But Matt Jones on that show, he was like, let's be honest here. Kentucky is not going to win a national championship. I think he literally said that, where he was like, there, we're just not. That's not, you have basketball. We do that in basketball. We don't do that in football. It just is, that's what it is. And I was like, that's actually, I mean, you're right. <laughs> I, so they, he did have at least that much like self-reflection. So I got to give him kudos there, I guess. But nonetheless, it was funny. And if there's a way for anybody to go back and listen to that, I highly suggest it. I don't know if they post it as a podcast or whatever. Uh, but if you can find it, go go track it down. Uh, but either way, this, I mean, it, let's kind of wrap it up here we got other stuff we got to talk about final thoughts on the Kentucky game any other stuff we you wanted to hit on there yeah I, I thought one thing that kind of stood out when I was going back through the game uh highlights and, and watching some of the plays over was that Jalen Wright looked really good running the ball uh I was nervous when he first came in the game and I guess Tyon Evans and Jabari Small got banged up uh he because he totally whiffed in pass protection at one point and Hendon Hooker got blown up and I was like get this guy off the field but he he actually looked really good running the ball, so maybe Tennessee's kind of got another another running back option there because Tyon Evans, as good as he's been, seems like he really can't stay healthy. Uh, if he's got a lingering issue uh, that, that's just not going away, I mean, he's trying to be out there. He's doing all he can to be out there, but clear that that Tennessee needs somebody else to step up at that position, right? So. Uh, a player that can really thrive in this offense. I think he's really fast. I thought he looked pretty good there when, when he got his chances. Yeah, improve, improving that that pass blocking. That kid ran hard and he ran well. I did. I I love the way he was running at the end of the game. I, he sort mm-hmm. of just like carried Tennessee right down the yeah. field in one of those final yeah. drives. Um, it was against an extremely tired Kentucky offense. I have to imagine, at least, um, because it was just really late in the game, and that's one factor. But I do look at that and I go, that kid's gonna be a dog in mm-hmm. the future. I really like what I'm seeing. So. Hopefully, yeah, you need somebody. I, I want time to be healthy so badly. It just doesn't seem to be in the cards this season. He's trying. I mean, I'll, I'll give it to yeah. him. He's doing what he can. Uh, but ho- hopefully, I don't know, this week you can get him back. That would be great. But uh, yes, 100% agreed. Uh, I don't. 
I don't think that I, b- between this and the show with Crompton, you have at this point, like an hour and a half of things that I had to say about the Kentucky <laughs> game. So you can go, go listen to that, you know? Um, and so I, I think I'm good on the Kentucky game, but let's do cover quickly before we get into the full preview of the Georgia game, uh, because this happened after our last episode of the podcast. Uh, VolQuest had a report about Tennessee and the NCAA investigation. It is concluded, at least on Tennessee's part, um, the self-investigation into the nonsense that Jeremy Pruitt was doing. And Tennessee will not self-impose a bowl ban, but they will impose, according to this report from VolQuest, some amount of like scholarship reductions and things like that, which I don't even, don't do that. Don't give the NCAA the pleasure, but you know. Whatever I, I will say, in a short term sense, I'm so so glad that they didn't do this. I hate punishing players for things that they didn't do. So I I was I was very glad to see that. What did you think of it? It's kind of how I thought it was going to go. Just everything kind of pointed that way. I'm still nervous about what the NCAA is going to do because we saw what they did to Oklahoma State this past week or the week before over something completely frivolous. $300 that was paid back and the player wasn't even deemed ineligible. The coach was fired immediately and they banned them from the postseason. It's completely absurd that they did that. So it does make me really nervous because the NCAA is a wild card when they, you know, who knows what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. Um, I'm glad Tennessee did this on one hand. I think, Hey, they've had the NCAA, with them this whole time, maybe they have some insight into what the NCAA is going to do. Because look, if you're going to miss a bowl game, in theory, you would want it to be this year because you would hope to be playing in better bowl games in year two, three, four down the road uh, under Josh Heupel. You don't want to be banned from a bowl game when you've won 10 games in a season. You'd rather it be this year. But on the other hand, you know, you don't want to self-impose a bowl game and then that not be something the NCAA was going to do or wait around for four or five years and, and more stuff happens. So uh, who are we kidding? I'm sure the NCAA did not give Tennessee any insight into what they're doing. So we really just have to hope for the best. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm glad that, that they went this route. Don't give the NCAA anything. Don't. I, I mean, my blanket policy... And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get on a rant here. My blanket policy: never cooperate with the NCAA. I've said that so many times. Just don't. Just don't. They shouldn't have done it. They should have just paid Pruitt to go away. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know a lot of people oh, yeah. don't agree with that. That's what they should have done because screw the NCAA. I mean, you're giving yourself long term pain when you could have just paid this idiot to go away. And you had, you know, people saying Tennessee doesn't have have the money. Yes, they do. Tennessee does have. Tennessee made. I mean, who knows? I, I don't know if you know off the top of your head. tens upon tens of millions of dollars just from the sec payout last year alone uh that doesn't include you know revenue from sports and things like that multi tens of millions of dollars from revenue from the sec it might have been and honestly might have been nine figures i i don't totally i don't know that seems high that doesn't seem right but either way they have hundreds of millions of dollars they could have just afforded to pay the guy go away because you're just giving yourself long-term pain yeah you've saved $11 $11 million, basically. His buyout was $12 million. You spent a million on the investigation, and they're still on retainer. They're still billing quarterly, so you're still paying this law firm a certain amount, but you've you've already paid them a million dollars to investigate over the, since last November or whenever. So you've saved $11 million, and who knows what's going to happen from here because, honestly, it could still hurt Tennessee in recruiting. I mean, this is going to help. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but there's still this uncertainty, this cloud hanging over. And yeah, it might not hurt with the three-star, four-star guys that you're battling maybe South Carolina for or Ole Miss or a school like that. But you're trying to get a four-star, five-star player like Walter Nolan, who we just saw commit to Texas A&M this past weekend. That could be the deciding factor in in that. And, and I know... The Athletic had that report where they talked to some high school coaches and and they all said that they haven't really heard anything about the investigation or all that stuff on the recruiting trail. But you don't know what these guys are talking about to these recruits, these relationships that they're building. And I look, if it comes down to your your closing argument, you're you're going in to try to 
pitch this guy one last time, of course you're going to bring up that Tennessee has an uncertain future. So, yeah, you should have just just paid Pruitt, been done with him, and moved on. Just just like LSU's doing with Ed Ogeron, because who knows what they could uncover with that guy down there if they want. I mean, I'm sure yeah. that they could withhold his buyout if they wanted to. I mean, just I mean, from anybody, he's a loose yeah. Everybody does. Anybody. You know, I, I always the one that I always bring up is that I had a serious conversation with a Kentucky fan one time where they tried to tell me that Kentucky was so good at basketball that they didn't have to pay players. <laughs> and I was like, are you? You cannot. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, you cannot be serious. <laughs> get get a, another thought. Like, every single program is doing garbage like that. Some hide it better than others. That's all that happens, okay? Yeah, there are very few five-star players playing somewhere for free. Yeah, and, and you know, I do hope that this this back and forth with the NCAA and the NCAA giving these horrific, stupid penalties out for dumb rules that never should have been there in the first place, I hope that that comes to an end with the the post NIL era now. Um, but Tennessee's already in it. You're here. Even if my, you know, my opinion is you never should have been, but you are here. I, I am. I had some pushback when I tweeted about this where people say, well, you should have just taken the bullpen now and you won't get punitive. What proof do you have that you're not going to get punished in the future? You have no, didn't mm-hmm. we? It was, was this on our, I don't remember if it was on, on our show. It's where, where we were talking about this. But Tennessee basically, you know, in, in Stranger Danger, they tell you to just fight and fight and fight because the, the kidnapper is going to kill you anyway. Fight, fight, fight. You know, well, Tennessee got in the car with the kidnapper <laughs> and is paying the kidnapper some gas money. Yep. Like that's that's what is going on here. They're going to do what they're going to do. It doesn't matter what you do. The, it, historically, that has made zero difference. Ole Miss bowed down at the NCAA's feet until until they didn't. They did, and then they didn't. And then the NCAA came back, and even though Ole Miss, I believe Ole Miss had done some self-punishment, and the NCAA came and slapped the wrist. And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. Well, so don't, don't cooperate. The Oklahoma State basketball coach holding that press conference, which oh, I'm, man. I'm so glad he did. He went scorched earth on the NCAA, and he said, don't do what we did don't cooperate with them and for a head coach a sitting head coach to come out that strongly with his athletic director beside him it's not like he went rogue and to come out and say that I mean that that should make that to me is what what makes me nervous that's what should make Tennessee fans nervous because the NCAA is not going to say hey you know glad that you brought this to our attention and you paid for this investigation nothing the NCAA does makes any sense so why should anyone have any faith that they're going to take it easy on Tennessee, Tennessee, the, the school that national writers love, love to slam on a weekly basis. You think the NCAA is going to look favorably on Tennessee? It's, it's probably they're going not to have happen. it out. They're going to have it out for Tennessee. And the only hope, like we, you said, is this new NIL era. Hopefully that ends it. I mean, ideally because you can, you can essentially give a player the payment that you would have given them otherwise. And now it, it can be legal through some cookies oh, work, through cookies. Work, yeah. Work with this car dealership, work with this cookie place, work with whatever. And you can funnel the money through there. It's I mean, in some sense, it's a money laundering scheme, Basically. The, but it's, but it's because of the stupid NCAA. You have yeah. to, you have to play within their rules and that's their rules facilitate a money laundering scheme. You know, sorry. As it said, is what it is. Um, but I mean, look no further than than Will Wade. I mean, the caught caught on tape saying we gave the kid a strong ass offer. We paid, <laughs> you know, caught on tape. And the NCAA, the don't ever forget. This is what so many people I feel like forget. The NCAA is not a legal enforcement. So they they are not a law enforcement association. They have no. They don't have power to come and knock down your door. They don't say, "Here's our search warrant." We're coming on it. No, they don't have that. What? They're not the police. They don't have any of that. If they can't get to it, then they can't do anything about it. And so LSU just went, nah, nah, we're not, we're not going to do any of that. No, no. Oh, you want that? Oh, oh, okay. No, <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and then here they are. He's still the freaking coach. <laughs> LSU. I mean, that's, that's all you need to know. 
cooperating with the NCAA is horrific. Don't do it. Uh, as much as I can't stand Will Wade or looking at his odd whatever oh, demeanor. Man. Yeah, I won't go down that road. Did you road, see the thing today? <laughs> the, the I'm glad that they've kind of done that FU to the NCAA. Did you see the the Will Wade thing today where he dressed up? I don't know. Was, I don't. I don't remember exactly what it was. He dressed up in a costume, did like a promo of it. It was bad. Yeah, I'm don't, sure. Mm, That's one of that the most either. awkward humans. I cannot believe he's a SEC basketball coach. The Dan Mullen of SEC basketball. And that they've like literally chose that hill to die on with him, with the NCAA. It's not like he's mm-hmm. this legendary Hall of Fame basketball coach. It's not like it's Coach K out there that you're, you're protecting. It's Will Wade. Go find yeah. another one. <laughs> <laughs> but he... He's still getting big recruits. Yeah. You know? Well, and Lord knows I wonder he's why. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, otherwise, I'm I'm just glad that Tennessee did that. I the the two punishments that I despise the most uh, are the because they're just stupid. I mean, they're just completely dumb. Is first and foremost the bull ban because you are directly punishing current players that did nothing wrong. Like you. You are giving them a punishment for something they did not do. Why would you ever do that? That's so stupid. Uh, but the the bowl ban is postseason ban with Oklahoma State, you know, where you can't play in the NCAA tournament. Wh- what in the world? What a stupid punishment that is cr- just, cr- I mean, it's cruel, cruel, truly cruel. And then the other one is vacating wins. We all watched, yeah. we, you know, Louisville. We watched Louisville win a national championship game. We can't go back in time and rewind Louisville's <laughs> national championship. Oh, you vacated the wins. Congratulations. They still happen, you know. Well, the one and, that I think is totally just hypocritical is the scholarship deal. I mean, the NCAA claims to be for the student athlete, no. the student athlete experience, and then you're taking away scholarships from Tennessee or any other program. That's fewer spots for student athletes. I mean, it's not like those scholarships go to another program. Those That's that <laughs> many fewer student-athletes who get a chance to be on yep. scholarships somewhere. You, so you're punishing players that are in high school for stuff they had nothing to do with. It's it's some – literally all, all that you're doing is making some kid who will be a walk-on at that program have to pay for his school. Mm-hmm. That's all you did is just like that kid now is saddled with lifelong debt. His parents are saddled with his debt, you know, however you pay for it. Like that's all you did is <laughs> just makes somebody pay for their school. So, so ugh, just don't even get me started on the NCAA. That was and for any new listeners. That's like the mild version of my takes on all of this. I, <laughs> I mean, that is, that's as kind as I can probably be, but just, Hey, Thank you, Tennessee, for not self-imposing bowl ban. It is, it is honestly huge this season when you look at the fact now that you have seven wins and with a bowl, it can become eight in Josh Heupel's first season. Just the optics of that is so great. I mean, it's eight and five in your first year, potentially. Like, come on. Come on, somebody. That's crazy. Uh, and so uh, I guess we, we can talk now about whether Josh Heupel could make it nine wins this season. Uh, I don't like his chances. I'll say that up front, <laughs> but the Georgia game is coming up this week. Number one, Georgia three 30 on CBS coming to Knoxville. What are your initial thoughts, Zach? Well, Georgia always loses a game. It seems like, uh, when they're on top of the world and it feels like now I don't think Tennessee's going to win. I'm not going to predict them to win. But if I was just an outside viewer, you know, somebody that, like I was an ACC fan, fan of an ACC school or something, I was looking at this game, I'd say, you know, they've they've built Georgia up uh, a lot. I mean, they've made them this just unbeatable team. And they really haven't had a tough test yet this year. and, And Georgia is the best team in the country. I'm not saying they're not. But are they this, like, greatest defense ever dominant? Are they as good as we think they are? You know, Tennessee is the type of offense that could give Georgia some trouble. It's 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 what you're going to have to do to beat Georgia because they have the best athletes. It's like Shane Beamer said. They've got all the five-star guys. They have the best defensive players in college football. You're not going to beat them by trying to run the ball down their throat or trying to out-athlete them. You're going to beat them by catching them off guard 
by getting them in situations where they're not prepared for the play, you know, kind of what we've seen Tennessee do with some other teams. So this is the best type of offense to give Georgia some problems. Now, you know, athletes are still going to make plays. I don't think Tennessee's going to have enough to be able to beat Georgia. There's just the depth isn't there. You you can't watch that Kentucky game and think that that's going to beat Georgia because it's not. Georgia, you know, they've talked about Georgia's offense not being elite. Well, it's still better than Kentucky's offense, and they look pretty good against Missouri. Stetson Bennett's looking a lot better as the season's progressed. I think this. I think Tennessee will be the team that scored the most points against Georgia so far this year, which is like thirteen. I think is the most team I scored, but I don't think it'll be enough. That is correct. No one has scored more than thirteen. I believe in aggregate, they've had fifty-six points scored against them. Tennessee. That, just I mean, that is insane. But I, it it is from what I've seen, it is. The, Probably at this point, the greatest college football offense I have, or uh, defense, sorry, probably the greatest college football defense I I have seen. I mean, it is just so comprehensively good in the games that I've watched. And I'm, I'll be honest, I watch about a half and then you go, okay, Georgia's got this in the bag and you flip Mm -hmm. the channel. That's been my experience with Georgia so far this season. But they're, I don't look at that offense. Like if you could score against Georgia, if their defense wasn't so good, this is a very vulnerable team. That offense is not a world beater. It is not. They're they're the number eight offense in the SEC. That's for 430 yards a game. Let's see score scoring offense wise where they, they sit. They are the number two scoring offense, but of course they get a ton of opportunities too, because the defense is so good. I mean, you just, they're forcing teams into three and outs like every time the opposing team touches the football. So, um, you, you know, you, you're getting a lot of opportunities out of it. It's scoring a lot of points. Um, they're averaging 38.4 points per game. Tennessee is averaging 38.2. So you're right there. Uh, and Tennessee is doing it, you know, in this tiny amount of possession time and a small amount of plays and all these things. Like Tennessee's offense is just a different animal altogether than Georgia's. And Georgia's playing like an antiquated style of football. That, that's why I say like, they're vulnerable if that defense isn't just this vice grip that they've turned into, but it is the vice grip that it is. I mean, it's that just, that's what you're about to face is probably the, the greatest college football defense I've, I've seen like in my, in my 30 years on this planet, at least I, I just can't think, I can't think of what, like it does one come to mind. There was some like Tennessee had some great defense back in the day that, that they they hung their hat on that with, you know, linebacker you back then and all that stuff. And then what you you had some great some other teams, some of those ones with Nick Saban in his early days were. Like, yeah, his 2009 pretty dang good. 2009 I, Alabama was pretty good. Let, let's I, I actually want to look. Let's see this. The side I'm looking at goes all the way back to 2009. Let's just see. How it compares. I mean, they gave up 20 points to Kentucky, though. Yeah. I, so, let's see. But they total, did. total defense, 2009. Alabama gave up 246 yards a game. Georgia is giving up 230. So, they're better yards per game. And I would say that offenses in college football right now are better than they were in 2009. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more innovative, uh, at the very least. And then on scoring... Eh, come on, come on, come on. Scoring defense... Georgia is giving up 6.6 points per game. And that Alabama defense gave up 11.7 points per game, Mm. so 12 points per game. So, I mean, I think it's the best college football defense I've ever seen. Yeah. It's it's so good. It's so, it's just ridiculous. And I mean, the the SEC East is not great. Florida sucks. And Florida was the consummate number two. They stink. And, And, and right now, Tennessee has is has the foothold on on number two in the SEC East. If that tells you what's going on, I mean that. And like, as weird as this season has been, that is the case. And it, so it's not like Georgia has played some extreme gauntlet uh, uh, of teams. And in fact, they've. Am I looking at this correctly? How did they swing this? Georgia, this entire season, will only play three true road games. The entire season? Yeah, because uh, the Clemson game was at Charlotte. Plus neutral. And the Florida game is still the dumbest thing in college football that it is in Jacksonville every year, which I I will never understand. So, yeah, yeah, that's how they 
kind of swung that and then the Georgia Tech games in Atlanta. But, uh, well, either way, I mean, it is just that impressive. I hate having to, to give that up to Georgia because screw them. You know, I have no love for Georgia at all. Uh, I, I have always said, I mean, Kirby, if Kirby is a better coach, he's won a national championship by now. Um, if he doesn't win one this year, it's not going to happen. No, I, I 100%. I, I believe that if you can't do it now with this team that is with a defense that's like this, you're just, you're not going to do it. I mean, Stetson Bennett is not a world beater. JT Daniels is not a world beater. Their, their offensive scheme is antiquated and not that great. And, you know, Tennessee is putting a better offensive scheme out there by far the way that Tennessee is moving the ball with the players that they have. I mean, it just is, there's no question about that. And Kirby has kind of consummately not been a great in-game coach in close games with clock management and things like that. If he's a better coach, he's won a national championship by now. But I think with this team, he has just finally, finally, it took six years or whatever. He's transcended his coaching where he just, he got players so good <laughs> that, that they're just, they're outplaying any coaching mistakes he makes and, and just smashing. They Right right now, I mean, they are more akin to like UConn and women's basketball, the way they're just beating every single team they play. Like, then the, you know, more akin to that than they are to like a good team in the SEC in a typical year. Like, I, huh, it pains me to say that, but that just... When you do an analysis of that this team, that's just the reality that you run into when you look at the stats and the way that they play. Yeah, uh, it's a game that I'm not really excited to watch at all. Uh, just because, look, you know Tennessee has nothing to lose. Nobody's expecting him to win. It should be a low stress game. But I'm that defense is so good that I you you have to keep Hendon Hooker healthy. Um, yeah, I, I think. That Joe Milton would be good enough to beat South Alabama and Vanderbilt, but I really don't want to take any chances. Keep Hendon Hooker healthy. Keep your guys healthy. I don't want to see this game get out of hand. I, I'm in, I'm intrigued, like like you kind of said, just to see how Tennessee's offense looks against the best defense we've ever seen because it's not going to get better than this. Probably you may never see another defense like this again. I mean, we're talking about it's the best we've seen in our lifetime. Chances are you're not going to see it again because so so much is going so much of the college game is going away from this style of play. And if Heupel's offense can fare pretty well against Georgia this this week, it, it should give you even more confidence about this scheme working long term. Yeah, if if somehow he comes out and finds a way to score twenty points against this team, I will be impressed. I don't think it's going to win it for you. Um, no. But I, I will absolutely be impressed. Obviously, you will have scored seven more points than anybody else has uh, against them this season. And so it just is, it's a brutal thing that they're this good. <laughs> but but Georgia just is. I guess you do look back, that 2009 Alabama team, who was like the one team that pushed them that year? Uh, it'd be Tennessee on the road at Tuscaloosa. Kiffy almost beat them. Um, without a, a blocked field goal, Tennessee wins that game. But uh, or or I guess if they, if Daniel Lincoln makes the field goal right, Tennessee yeah, yeah. won. But um so maybe you get a little just a little luck. Cause what let's talk about let's talk about it this way because I feel like that we're bogging down in how good Georgia is. Like I said, screw them. I got no love for Georgia. What can Tennessee do to stay in this game? I mean to me it's obviously score points. But the, the real thing to me is if Georgia makes mistakes, you have to capitalize on every single one. You cannot. So the mistakes that were made on like dropping an interception against Kentucky, they worked against Kentucky. You still beat them. Georgia, you do that. They're going to just turn around and they're going to score and continue to just crush you. If that opportunity comes, you cannot let it slip by you. And then if you get that interception, you obviously have to score on the ensuing possession. It's something like that. You have to get the balls bouncing your way to stay in this game. I think it, that it's going to take that plus some. Um, it's going to take that 
plus the best performance we've seen from Hinton Hooker, plus the best performance that we've seen from every single player on this team. It will have to be the entire team playing at its height at every single position. You can't miss tackles like this. You can't get get big boyed uh, by, by these five stars. You have to just step up. I mean, maybe just the, the kneeling crowd will help. It's good that it's at home. That's always nice in a situation where you need the best performance possible. But it's going to just have to be like the moon is aligned exactly right. Every single Tennessee fan has to be wearing their lucky shirt. I mean, it just like we got to do everything possible uh, to to be in this game to me. Yeah, I agree. It comes down to the takeaways for me. You got to capitalize on that. It's, it's kind of how I felt about the Ole Miss game. It's the only way. You're not going to stop Georgia that much. I mean, you said you saw how they struggled against Kentucky. This team has better athletes. It's not the greatest offense, but they're still talented players. Uh, they're they're going to be able to run the ball. I mean, they got, they got a good offensive line. They're going to be able to to kind of manhandle you there. So you're going to have to create some turnovers and, and take advantage for sure. It's just uh, that's the way that it is. So let's let's say this: we're over an hour already. Been a fun show so far. Final thing: score prediction for the Georgia game. Not a ton of optimism. It sucks because it was such a fun show leading up to this. Had a great time. But what are, what are we thinking for for Georgia-Tennessee? I, th- I think that they do score the most points that anybody has scored against Georgia this year. I think they uh, fall short of 20 points, though. I have Georgia winning 38-17. to 17. I, I will say Tennessee does that, too, but to a milder extent. I will say 34-14. So you still, hey, you get uh, the the yeah most points scored against Georgia possible, <laughs> but H- by H- one point. <laughs> Hang the banner. I mean, it just, it, like, I, I do see Heupel's offense and say, Georgia has not faced anything like this. We said it earlier. Even, even Saban and Stoops are saying, like, there's no real way to prepare totally adequately for this Tennessee offense. There just isn't. Uh, and so, you know, I think you have enough advantages in that way where you can scheme a couple touchdowns, but they, they can just outman you. It, it just is, it's an entire defense. It's an NFL defense versus your offense. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what you're up against. Uh, unfortunately, but I will end by saying this, I, I will happily, with open arms, be wrong. Please. What I mean, what even is the reaction if Tennessee were to win this game? I mean, what? I I, I don't even know. What, do I, what would I do? You beat the number one team with the greatest defense that we've all ever seen. And in Heupel's first year... In an, essentially in a miracle. I mean, it's a. I mean, it's akin to almost. I mean, what we're a twenty-two point underdog or something like that. Nearly akin to like Appalachian State, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't even know what I would do. It just seems. It almost seems too far fetched. Even. Yeah. It. it well, because it is. But vault. <laughs> vault Twitter would officially be unbearable, and I would. Oh, man. I would love it. I would love it. Dan Walker would have to delete his Twitter because he would not be able to, and all those other guys. He needs to delete it anyway. Yeah. Delete it, Dan. Oh, <laughs> uh, the uh, Mr. Uh, Vols pitch guy that has become an internet celebrity <laughs> for being a complete idiot. I've seen stuff about him on message boards, Facebook. It's just stop. Dude's getting a real rep. I obviously, I do think to some extent, this is what he wants. Um, is to be talked about, but from from what I've seen, I mean, I've never like followed the guy or or anything, so I don't really know what his like history is. But I've seen people in the comments on his tweets say, "You didn't used to be like this." Yeah, like I've why? Seen that too. Why? And I don't know what he was saying back then, like when Pruitt was here or everything. I found one of his old tweets, and he was very. He said they got lucky when they beat Kentucky in uh, 2019, 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. one of those years. Uh, it was whatever year Kentucky had their last pretty their ten win team. He was frustrated about Georgia State BYU loss and said they got lucky beating Kentucky. So, well, yeah, very different. Interesting. 
Yeah. Uh, but that guy should delete his Twitter too. He's yes. Just <laughs> get rid of it. <laughs> um, that's it. I think Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. Zach, give an episode. Any any parting thoughts for the good folks at home? Nah, just uh, look for you on Monday Night Football tonight. I assume you'll be. Uh, I'll be there. Part of the part of the Manning cast. If they're even <laughs> doing that tonight, I don't know. I I'm sure that they heard about the the comparison on the Tennessee message board, and they were yeah. like, "Call him up." Call him up. Yep, I'm waiting didn't. on the call. <laughs> I haven't gotten the call yet, but it's coming. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure coming. you, yeah. <laughs> I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Uh, A to Z Sports Podcast Network. Go over Apple, Spotify, rate, review, subscribe, uh, and do, do whatever you got to do to listen to this uh, show every single week. Because we love it when you tune in. I, j- seriously, this this season has been like exponentially bigger than last season. Pro- probably because Tennessee's like you know winning football games. It's kind of fun to watch. <laughs> Makes these a little easier to listen to. Um, but thank you so much for listening to everybody that has been. Uh, otherwise, at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT A to Z Sports.com for everything uh, that that we write. And with that said, we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later. Get out and get it.